In Matthew 4.19, Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Join us in this conversation as we discuss following Jesus, leadership, and doing life with others. Welcome to the 419 Disciple Makers Podcast. And let's pick up our conversation with Steve Wood. Well, I know the five keys are an important framework for you, and, we, and they're on our website, uh, 419schooldisciplemakers.org is the whole exhaustive list that if you're a teacher or a pastor, you can take that and preach it and teach it. Uh, but what if you're, let's say you're an insurance salesman, Steve, or you're uh, a teacher, or maybe you're retired and you got a lot of time to spend, uh, <laughs> you know, trying to figure out what you're going to do with the rest of your life. What do you recommend to somebody that doesn't have all the seminary training, the official title, the experiences? I mean, are they in a place where they can make disciples, do you think? Or is there something that they first have to to, to learn or experience yeah. or achieve? Well, actually, I think they're about two or three steps ahead of most clergy. And the reason <laughs> is, is they don't have to defrag and deprogram, <laughs> deprogram. all the stuff that mm. we, we've learned, uh, you know, along the way and systems mm. and, you know. So uh, the the beauty of the five keys is in its simplicity. God's a relational God, and so he's invited us to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Uh, that's how we know God, through Jesus Christ. That's the first key. Mm-hmm. And it has to be active. <laughs> I mean, and <clears throat> by active, uh, that means in a walking, talking relationship with God. It means prayer. It means personal worship which, by the way, is a whole dynamic I've just learned in the last 10 or 12 years about daily personal worship and how that's so much better than just uh, what I used to call a devotion. It's like uh, the difference between eating a piece of dry toast, that was my former devotion, to going to a full breakfast buffet in terms of personal It is so much richer. And... uh, then you've got corporate worship, and you've got uh, prayer, of course, and fasting. And um, it sounds like the spiritual disciplines. Yeah, it is the spiritual disciplines. John Wesley called them works of piety, but God created us for relationship. Uh, he emphasizes that in taking on flesh and coming uh, for us, not just to rescue us, but you got to remember from God's economy. Uh, God's intervening in humanity to declare, I want to have a relationship with you, and I want it not only to last in this life, I want it to grow in richness and depth and quality and intimacy through eternity. Wow. Yeah, and we don't think in terms of the progression of into eternity, but that the first key is a personal relationship with Jesus and the church uh, throughout 2,000 years has offered all kinds of things, a check-the-list kind of behavioral thing, and then an institutional thing, and then uh, kind of a, a just, um, you know, heart emotion thing. And I, I'm not anti any of those things, but the yeah. bottom line is is that it all exists for us to be in a personal relationship with Jesus because that's where the strength is. That's where the power is. That's where the leading is. It's where the wisdom is. It's where the discernment is. It's where the forgiveness is. And it's where the stamina is uh, to live in the presence of Christ in a meaningful, a joyful, spiritual way in a very fallen world. Um, 
Well, it sounds to me like that's where most, I think, I think most Christians would agree with you in that first key, but uh, I would think that a lot of Christians would say, isn't that enough? I mean, to just have a personal relationship with Jesus. Yeah. Well, uh, I think Jesus answered that with his disciples. I mean, if you think about it, <clears throat> hadn't it been an, if, if it had been enough, then the relationship where he introduced himself to James and John and Peter and Andrew would have been enough. But yet he called them to follow him. That's right. And then he invested half of his uh, ministry life uh, in those 12. And in specifically then with Peter and uh, <clears throat> James and John, he invested an even greater portion in terms of kind of his of uh, inner circle of investment uh, to disciple them. And they got to see things that were really powerful. I mean, they got to see him cry in the Garden of Gethsemane. Mm -hmm. They got to see him transformed on the Mount of Transfiguration. I mean, and so it wasn't just like the, uh, 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 the Messianic school or uh, catechism it was far more personal than that, and I think that that's the key to uh, that discipleship. In fact— So it's not a finish line. It's a starting no, line. It's a starting line. But how do people ever come to know, so what does a personal relationship with Jesus look like yeah. if there isn't someone who's having a personal relationship <laughs> with Jesus to say, well, for me, right. you know, it looks like this, and for Mark— and, and as they hear these stories from other followers of Jesus, other disciple makers of Jesus, they'll understand that each of those stories has both some common elements, but they're also very unique, which gives us latitude to be the unique and beautiful creation God's called us to be. Hmm. Well, I mean, that's that's the first step, I guess, in any journey is the most important step. And so that yeah. personal relationship. From there, uh, what are the other four keys? Yeah, so the second one is to be in another relational group, this time with human beings, for the purpose of experiencing loving accountability. So uh, in our scenario, we call that a covenant group, but it makes sense. So if the first key is about our vertical relationship hmm. with God, then the second key is about living in the application of what it means to be a child of God with other children of God that we would know as the body of Christ. The problem is, is that over the years we've done lots of different kinds of things to group people together to have coffee and dinner for eight and lots of different iterations, but those were built on simply getting to know one another and on friendships, which are very positive things, but there was no conscientious uh, and discernible effort in those groups to actually live in biblical accountability, which I think is God's love language. If you think about it, God, uh, his love language is this. I love you. I accept you the way you are. I refuse to leave you the way you are yeah. because I'm transforming you into my image. Yeah. And so when God transforms us into his image, that means that he is about transformational change. Well, it's in those accountability groups where we love one another enough uh, to help 
sharpen one another, support one another, encourage one another, pray for one another. But it's there in sharing life where we experience the dynamic that Peter, James, and John experienced, that the disciples experienced in two by two. There's something special about God being fully present in that relationship. The best image is as Jesus came and walked beside Cleopas and the other disciple on the road to Emmaus, and they said, man, how good is this? Don't leave us. This is good. The three of us are together, and uh, our hearts are burning within us. So that that human group, the accountability portion of that human group, is really love. I mean, it's it's love in the very purest sense in terms of helping us keep one another on track and aligned and learning and growing and loving. Then the third one is a place to reinvest. So we think about, all right, I need a place to reinvest uh, to serve. Uh, And we would call that Christian service. Some people would call that community service. Some people would call that Christian mission. But uh, it needs to specifically be a place to serve where we build up the kingdom of God. Now, acts of compassion and mercy and uh, helping the least of these, those are all biblical things, and that's certainly a part of that. But we also need to think about when we are led to a place to serve, the best way to build the kingdom of God is to invest in people. Right. And so as we invest in people, we have to take uh, a different, posture than a colonial posture missionally uh, and as a codependent posture in terms of uh, community outreach, where we really are helping people help themselves and we're making these deposits in their life and uh, making an investment in them that helps them not only grow to God's great awareness of his love for them, but to accept that and then that they would begin to understand their part in answering the call to being a disciple of Jesus who's making disciples of Jesus. Then the fourth one's pretty simple. Well, let me speak to that for a yeah, second. Okay. It sounds like then, so the first one is a personal relationship with Jesus. The second one, it sounds like, is a small group that has accountability as a part of it, not just oh, yeah. friendship. The third one, though, the serving piece, it sounds like, Instead of serving somebody for their immediate need, a disciple is one who focuses on the immediate and the eternal. Yeah. Well, rather, yeah. Rather than do for, be with is kind of the language. Uh, and we come alongside people. And so rather than say, look, we realize you're hurting. Let us help you with your utility bills or whatever. And then just say, good luck with it. There's the help. We actually see that as an opportunity to care enough about this person to begin to understand who they are, why they're in that struggle, how to help them in that struggle to move beyond that struggle. And there's a very natural progression of relationships that's birthed and trust where we can share the gospel and make sure that the more important need is met. There's something more important than making sure their electricity doesn't get cut off. That's important. What's more important is to make sure that they know they are loved by God and have an opportunity to spend eternity in the presence of God with Jesus and live life in a very meaningful way. 
I think that's unique. Um, so many organizations exist for the immediate need, but that eternal mindset has got to be a game changer. Um, so the third one is serving. So the fourth one is, uh, tell us about the fourth. Yeah, group. the fourth one is in and around stewarding our life. And so all that means is uh, God has given us this wonderful life to live. And the way we express our love to God is we give that life, our life, back to God to build the kingdom of God. And so we focus in on the stewardship of time. I've already mentioned God has cleared his calendar to meet with us anytime, anyplace. Uh, It's really interesting that we struggle even to give God five minutes in a day uh, when uh, we're the object of uh, his affection (laughs) and we are... (laughs) We are his desire to be in relationship with. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then how we use our time uh, in terms of considering uh, uh, who we are and what we're called to in a very meaningful way. And that takes takes some prayer, discernment, and accountability from others to really play to our gift sets, play to our passion, play to what God's called us to, and to understand the very sacrificial nature of giving uh, demands that it cost us something. That Remember, time is a big deal. Yeah, it, David people. said, uh, you know, far be it for me to, uh, you know, take something from God and not offer something to God as an act of worship. So time is a big one. Talent and the beauty of uh, humanity is we're all created uniquely with different gifts. So every single person that God created, God sees in the beauty of their created talent, and God doesn't see in stages of differentiation like we do in terms of being really good at this or really good. God just sees the talent, the gift set, and the passions that there that God can use on an equitable basis for us to contribute to the kingdom of God. Hmm. But we've got to understand what how we're wired, how we're gifted, what our passion is, we got to understand the whole talent thing and not just assume we know. And there's some instruments within uh, now uh, the church and parachurch organizations to really help people lay wood to how they're wired, what they're passionate about, what their spiritual gifts are. And uh, those instruments are extremely helpful in helping people understand their, their value to the body of Christ and what yeah. they can contribute. And so resources, uh, to steward our resources, obviously includes uh, the tithe as the baseline and above the tithe as God's real call on our life. But man, that's that's becoming a less and less uh, uh, embraceable teaching. I mean, there is more resistance, which is really interesting, especially in the U.S., in the greatest time of cultural prosperity in the United States, the tremendous resistance in terms of a basic premise, and that is that we give God the first fruits of all that we have and all that we are. What do you attribute that to? I mean, why are people so resistant if they've got more than they've ever had uh, to, to invest that in the kingdom? Well, I think it's our fallen nature. The guy that's got a home wants a lake home. A guy that's got a home and a lake home wants a beach home. Guy that's got a, you know, the guy that flies first class wants his plane, and and you, I mean, you, <laughs> it could be it could be as simple as okay, 
you know, uh, a child has a bike, and uh, that's great. Now they want another bike or a different mm-hmm. bike or a new bike. It's just human it's, nature. Yeah, it's, li- it's like our yearn for more. And the problem with the fallen nature of wanting more is every time you achieve that more, it is no longer enough. Mm. And so that kind of uh, explains it. And then that's parlayed with kind of a spiritual attack uh, on the institutional mindset of the culture towards the church mm-hmm. and uh, distrust and uh, highlighting human failure, especially in pastoral positions. So it's a really interesting thing. But that decision in in that fourth key where we steward time, talent, resources, the decision of biblical faithfulness to really give God first place and God first fruits is a huge transformational gateway because when that one occurs and we reconcile ourselves to something that really is going to cost us something, it actually costs us whatever it is we're desiring Mm. to be faithful in the tithe. Wow. Then the dominoes fall for a lot of other things to take place that God can broaden the scope of spiritual maturity. And then the last one is uh, there in step four, time, talent, resources, relationships, and relationships are a gift. Mm-hmm. And I'm not just talking about husband, wife, or filial relationships or deep friendships. All of the relationships that we have are to be stewarded. Uh, even if we're with people who are not very agreeable or who hold a different posture than we hold in terms of our faith in Christ, they're still to be stewarded because um, God looks at every created person with sanctity and value because God created them. Now, they may not have accepted uh, their worth or the grace of God uh, or all the benefits of God's compassion, but they're still created in the image of God and God's heart is anyone created in the image of God, that's all of us, would be reconciled unto God. In the end, people matter, don't they? Yeah, that's what it really really is. Patrick Morley had a quote uh, that I never forgot, Steve. He said that most of us live our life focused on the people who will sit on the back row of our funeral if they show up at all. (laughs) And we need to be living our life for those who will sit on the front row. I have never forgotten that quote. that's kind of sobering. and Oh, my gosh. Well, yeah. it's true. That's the problem with it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. So then the fifth one, the fifth key, the fifth and final key is really how the cycle's completed. The fifth key is then uh, in and around multiplication. The fifth key is a behavior of when we then begin to apply with intent uh, what we know, learned, and have been trained in about making disciples of Jesus. Mm. And let me just say again, you don't have to have a PhD in that. In fact, uh, it's best if you realize, oh, I just need to be a little further in my journey than the person I'm discipling. Mm. And uh, we've moved from a culture of academic discipling to more movement discipling, But now the emerging generations, and if you read about millennials and Generation Z, uh, the kind of discipling they prefer is actually being involved in the discipler's life, Mm -hmm. work life, family life, personal life, recreation life. Um, 
because it seems as if it is God's redemptive power to redeem our failures in regular life that is really the fuel of people being hungry to become a disciple of Jesus. Wow. Yeah, it's it's not so much all of our successes as it is how God's worked in our failures and how we have recovered uh, from our failures in a very real way that brings uh, hope to the world. So the way we teach this, uh, when we uh, teach this kind of as a, um, a discipling system or approach, is that the cycle of being a disciple of Jesus Christ is complete when we're discipling people who are also now discipling people. So it's a third-generation kind of mindset. And so if you go back into the book of Acts, uh, probably the very best example is the example of Paul. And if you think about this, though Paul was not literally in the presence of Jesus as one of the twelve, if you look at the fruit that has grown on history, Timothy, Silas, Priscilla, Aquila, then you look at the fruit born of them. I mean, somehow in Paul's lifetime, the gospel went all the way from a really tiny concentric circle in and around Jerusalem and Judea, and maybe as far up as Antioch, all the way to Spain. And that happened in one generation, which is really miraculous. Well, I mean, it's, it's an incredible invitation to not only be a disciple of Jesus, but also a disciple who makes disciples. And so you've got so much to offer. I appreciate your time today. And um, if people want to get in touch with you, uh, I guess they can go to the 419 website. They can yeah. look at the uh, whole breakdown. Uh, if you're a pastor, you're looking for something to preach, uh, man, here's a five-point uh, outline that'd be great or lead to Sunday yeah. school class. Yeah, there's some really wonderful uh, materials. And we give these materials away. Yeah. Uh, and that's kind of how we live in that fourth key of stewarding. At the four calls... Uh, are really excellent to go along uh, with the five keys. Uh, the uh, the spiritual laws are good. There's lots of really excellent materials there, and many of those materials have already been translated into Spanish and into Russian, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, we have a couple of them that have been translated into French and Swahili that aren't on the website yet. Wow. But it's a global movement that uh, works it, 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 the the miracle of it is the uh, the five keys that simplicity works in any culture and in any context and uh, transcends denominationalism and uh, geography and whether you're a tribal culture or a social culture uh, it speaks to the heart of what it means to be a follower of Jesus and whether you're a stay at home mom or yeah. A college professor, it really doesn't matter. You can uh, you can live by those five keys, and you can teach them to others, which is uh, which is what I think discipleship really is. Well, thanks for your time, Steve, and thanks for all that you have to offer us. Uh, we'll be praying for you, and uh, we're praying for uh, everybody that's listening to us right now. If uh, you're feeling like there's something that you don't know, or you have to learn more before you can do this, uh, I would encourage you to. Um, uh, go back over your notes, go to the website, look at the content that we have about the five keys of 
uh, being a disciple. And then the first thing to do is teach it to somebody because you, when you teach it, you really, really start learning it and can apply it. Thanks, Mark. I appreciate the opportunity to share today. And uh, just remember, if we didn't have resistance, then we wouldn't be keenly aware of our need for God. Well, so be encouraged. Profound. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. For more information, check out our website, 419disciplemakers.org. Join us again next week as we continue our conversation on the 419 Disciple Makers podcast.